right. Are you enjoying these uh, video announcements? They're kind of fun, aren't they? All right, get your Bibles out if you would, please. Um, before I jump into that, a couple of things. Um, Logan wanted me to let you know that a bunch of people have been working hard getting the new Littles room ready upstairs, and it looks fantastic, and everybody that's been up there helping, uh, Lachelle and uh, Grace, and I don't know who all's been up there working and painting, Jen designed it all, and it was fantastic. And so if you get a chance, run upstairs and see it before you leave. It looks amazing what they did. Um, also, when you came in, you might have noticed a little bit of um, something big out there in the parking lot. It's our new bus, and on the other side is the new van that we have. Part of the legacy giving that you gave um, was um, we used to buy a new bus and uh, a van. And um, be careful, though, when you're looking at the van because neither of them are brand new. Um, and there's decal on the van that still exists, and just so you know, it, it's, it doesn't mean anything for us because it says Majesty Wine Tours, um, <clears throat> but it's funny when the church goes and buys a van that says Majesty Wine Tours. It was when I went to the bank to get the cashier's check to do it. Um, I don't know why bankers do this all the time, but they ask what, they're gonna, what you're going to use the money for. You know, it's like, that's not really your business. Um, here's, I mean, this, uh, this is a sizable check that we're paying for something. And, and so, so he goes, um, so you're, you're going to go on a wine tour? <laughs> um, no, not with that amount of money. That's a lot of wine for that amount of money. Anyway, so um, other thing is, in terms of your legacy giving, just want to remind you on March 25th coming up here, that's when we're doing our, our legacy outreach to the little country diner right up the road. And so if you haven't already, go online, onechapel.com, and, and click on Lake Travis, and there'll be uh, um, a link where you can go to a sign-up genius and um, um, be, um, log on to be part of one of the teams, because what we're doing is that we're looking at really coming alongside the owners and redesigning and doing a lot of different projects inside and outside the building just to be a blessing. I love that how we do things as a church. It's not just for the church. It's for our community, to bless our community, and that's what we're doing. So it's, this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck here in a couple weeks, so please go online, sign up for one of those teams. It's going to be fun with um, a lot of hands make light the work, and so this is going to be a great way for us to serve our community. All right, get your Bibles out now, um, because we're doing this series that we're calling Life in the Balance, and what we're doing is that we're going through the book of Romans, and like I've been talking about, the book of Romans is the, the handbook, the basic handbook for Christianity, every major theme um, theology is put in the book of Romans, so there's so much jam-packed in this, this little book. And because of that, God has used that over the centuries and over the last 2,000 years to literally change history. And we've, I've read some quotes and different people that um, their lives were transformed by that. But um, a great Swiss Bible commentator, he said this about the book of Romans. He said, every great revival in history that ever started can somehow be related to this book. And so that's my prayer, even as we're going through this series, that God will use this book to begin to stir some things in you and begin to start this awakening inside of your own heart and a revival inside of your own heart, just as he's done um, century after century, after generation after generation, to really start that revival 
um, in you. So I want to encourage you again just to keep reading it on your own. We're going to tackle a chapter a Sunday leading into Easter, and then we'll finish it up after Easter as well. This morning we're on Romans chapter 4, so if you want to go there, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, it's in the New Testament part of your Bible, we're in chapter 4. And here in Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul dives into the topic of faith. That word faith and believe is used 485 times in the New Testament. And here in the book of Romans, it's used 60 different times. And so obviously this issue of faith is a big deal. We talked about this last week, that you can sum up the entire Christian life in this one word, that word faith. It can all be attached to this issue of faith. Um, other religions, it's all about do. Do this, don't do this, and make sure you do this and this and this and this, and don't do this and this and this. But Christianity is all about faith, except believe. That's what it's all about. And so what God has done for us, you can only grab a hold of it through faith in Jesus Christ, which means there's only one condition for you to take hold of what God has given you and what he wants to do in and through your life, and that is you have to believe. And actually, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says it this way, that without faith, it's actually impossible to even please God. And so this issue of faith is an enormous deal. It's a huge, huge thing in our Christian life as followers of Jesus Christ. And here in verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he gives us the motivation for living our lives by faith. Look at this in Romans 4, verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Listen, folks, God is the God of miracles. He's the God of the miraculous. And in case you've forgotten, in case you've been lulled to sleep, in case you've just kind of gotten put into some sort of religious box and ways of doing things, I want to remind you, this one who we sing about, the one who we read about in our Bibles, he is the God of the miraculous. There's nothing impossible for him. And he loves to do miracles in our life. How many of you say, I need a miracle in my life right now? Any of you, you need a miracle in your life? Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. And the Apostle Paul, he highlights two types of miracles that God loves to do. The first type of miracle that God does is that he gives new life to something that's dead. He gives new life to something that's dead. Again, verse 17, the God who gives life to the dead. In other words, God specializes in bringing life out of death. And he does that physically by bringing health to our bodies. Health is a restoration of life. And he does it emotionally in, our, in, in bringing life to our relationships, restoring friendships, resurrecting marriages. This is what he does. He does it spiritually by bringing new spiritual life into our lives. That's what we call revival. And so God giving life to something that's dead, that's that first type of miracle that God loves to bring into our life. How many of you say, this is the type of miracle I need in my life? Something's died and I need it to come back to life. Any of you have that type of miracle that you need in your life? Then the second type of miracle that God does is that God creates something out of nothing. So one, he takes something that did exist, but it died, and he brings new life out of it. This one didn't even exist before, and he causes it to some, something to come out of nothing. Again, verse 17, he calls things that are not 
as though they were. The New American Standard Bible says it this way. He calls into being that which does not exist. Think about it. This is something that God loves to do. You see it in Genesis chapter 1 over and over and over. These words, and God said, bam, it happened. And God said, and it happened. See, folks, when God speaks, something happens. His word has power. He speaks things into existence. And that's the second type of miracle that God loves to do and wants to do in your life. He wants to create something, something new out of nothing. How many say that's the type of miracle I need in my life? Yeah. And so what Apostle Paul's doing here in chapter 4 is that he's connecting the dots between faith and the miraculous occurring in our life. He connects those dots here. In other words, the motivation for living by faith is that it opens the door to the miraculous in our life. When I was pastoring up in Wisconsin, I'll never forget this. I was right before our church service. I was getting ready to start. One of, our, one of my um, Spanish-speaking pastors who was our campus pastor for one of our Spanish-speaking congregations, he came up to me and introduced me to a lady by the name of Guadalupe. She went by Lupe. And, and I looked at her, and she just had this white, just, her face was just, just white sheet, but it was contorted. I could tell she was in all sorts of pain. And Pastor Kenneth says, I, I, would you pray for her? She's in severe pain right now. So I said, well, what's going on? And so he translated back and forth. And as he began to describe the symptoms, I knew exactly what was going on because I'd been around it a lot with different people. I knew she had a bladder infection. And she was in excruciating pain right there in the moment. So I told Ken, she has a bladder infection. She needs to go to the doctor, you know, so she can get on some medication. And Kenneth looked at me and said, you don't understand. She doesn't have health insurance. She cannot afford to go to the doctor. And as soon as he told me that, I began to feel faith rising up inside of me. You know, you can feel faith. You can feel faith rise up inside of you. And I began to feel faith rising up inside of me. And I knew that God was her only answer. She didn't have the luxury. It's a benefit to have doctors. I love doctors. I love medication. I love all those types of things. But you know what? When you don't have access to it, let me just say, there's still a doctor you can go to. There's still some medicine that you can get from the one who created you. And I could feel that rising up inside of me. And so we just began to pray for her. And when we finished praying for her, there were, you could tell her face already was changing. That, that, that the, the, the torture, the pain that her face was in it, and color was coming back to her face. And then at the end of the service, she came back up to, and told me, she said, I'm completely without pain. I have no pain in my body. And the next day, Kenneth called me and said, she's completely healed. Listen, let me remind you, God is the God of the miraculous. He still works this way. He still does the miraculous in our life. Faith is what opens these, these doors. We, when you step out in faith, it opens the doors to the miraculous. When I, again, when I was pastoring up in Wisconsin, um, I took over an existing church, and the church already had um, a, a church building. But it was kind of funny because um, they built it in the 1990s, um, but they were building it in a way they really didn't want it to make it look like a church. And something funny, when you try to make something look modern, it becomes dated very quickly. And so even though it was built in the 90s, it looked like it was actually built in the 70s. And so it had this reputation, oh, you're the Pizza Hut church. Oh, oh you're the, you're the a spaceship church. 
because it just had this weird architecture that just did not look like uh, a church. And so anyway, I say that because um, we, we, God bless what was happening there, and the church began to grow and expand. We completely, um, after multiple services, we couldn't fit it there anymore, and so we needed to find a different place. But we couldn't expand. Nobody around us would let us buy land. And so we knew we had to go find then a different place, either find land to build or find an existing building and, and use that. And so we decided to put the building and the land that we had on the market. And it was on the market with a realtor for one year. And during that year, we did not even get a nibble, not nothing, nothing. I mean, you can imagine, you know, in your head, it looks like, you know, a spaceship or it looks like a funny Pizza Hut building. And so who's going to buy it? Duh. Um, and so not, I mean, not a nibble, not, not anybody even coming to look at the building. Um, and so when the year was up, our contract was up with the, the, the real estate agent, and, and so we took it off the market. And as soon as we took it off the market, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that we need to take a step of faith, and that nothing had changed, that we still, it still didn't fit us, we still needed to find something different, and I felt the Holy Spirit just speak in time that we needed to take a step of faith, and so what we decided to do was we stopped meeting in the church building, and we decided we're going to start meeting in the high school auditorium. And how many know that's just a stupid decision? You know, it's, it's not it's business-wise, you know, to pay money for something that you already have a building for. It's just not, it's not good business savvy to any of that. And it's risky and all those types of things. And, but one week after we started doing church in the high school, I had two offers on the building. Wow. Two, two offers. That may mean nothing to you, you know, in a market that everything sells just like this. This is Wisconsin where nothing sells let alone a spaceship building. <laughs> I mean, who, who wants a spaceship building? Uh, daycare did. A preschool daycare wanted it, bought it, and is doing fantastic. It was a great fit for them. The other ones that wanted it, this is funny, the other ones that wanted it was a funeral home. <laughs> the two spectrums of life, I don't understand, but that's who wanted it. That's who wanted the building. My point is, faith is what stirs up the miraculous. And so many of us, the reason why we don't see the miraculous happen in our life is because there's no faith. We're not doing things in faith. We're not taking steps of faith. And so the motivation for faith, let me stir that in you here today. The motivation for faith and living in faith and taking steps of faith is that it opens the door for the miraculous to happen in your life. And so with Apostle Paul, he's doing it. He's connecting these dots. And he does it by showing us Abraham as an example. Because Abraham did four specific things that you and I need to do as well in order for to see the miraculous open in our life. Number one, Abraham placed his faith in God. Abraham placed his faith in God. I know that seems simplistic, but listen to what I'm talking about here. Because look at verse 17. It says, as this is written... I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. If you're taking notes, underline the words, in whom. In whom. This is really important because Abraham didn't believe in a principle. He believed in a person. He didn't believe in himself. He believed in God. And that's the first principle of the miraculous is this in whom Abraham put his trust, he put his faith in God, not himself, not some sort of system, 
not some sort of religion, but in God. Because faith is not having this positive mental attitude. That's not what faith is. Faith is not some sort of psycho-cybernetics that you go through. Faith is not psyching yourself up with wishful thinking. That's not what faith is. How many remember the story of the little train that had a, was having a hard time getting up the mountain? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. It's this idea that if you think it, you can achieve it. And let me just say, there's so much truth to this, and I don't want you to mishear what I'm talking about here, because I, I think there's a legitimate place for expectation and belief in positivism, because after all, positivism is so much better than negativism. You know what I'm saying? Um, but we need to understand, faith is different. Faith is different than having a positive mental attitude. That's not what faith is. Faith is putting your trust in God, not yourself and what you can accomplish. Verse 17 says that Abram put his trust in God. That's why he believed that God could do a miracle because he had this trust in God, which means faith is not dependent on yourself. Faith never depends on on yourself and what you can do. Faith causes you to step outside even of what you can do. Faith faith causes you to step into something that's impossible for for you to do. That's why it's faith. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. I just love that. You know how we tend to make promises and we swear by something? Well, God says there's nobody to swear that's higher than me, so he just swore by himself. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Now think about what he's talking about here. Because when somebody makes a promise, a promise is only as good as the person who gives it, right? And so if a father tells his son, son, I'm going to take you fishing on Saturday, what does that son have to hold on to? Nothing except for the character of his dad. Well, the writer of Hebrews is saying, God always makes good on his promises. Why? Because God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And so if God said it, then that needs to settle it inside of me, whether I get it or not. Because God said it, which means it's going to happen. And so that's what Abraham did. He put his trust and his faith in God. Number two, second thing about Abraham was that his hope was based on God's word. His hope was based on God's word. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now, um, grammarians call this an oxymoron. You know, where you take two contradictory statements and you put them together for an exaggerated impact. Well, Abraham, listen to this, Abraham had absolutely no reason to believe, and yet Abraham, in hope, believed. You see what he's saying? There's no reason for him to believe, but yet, in hope, he believed. Again, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. If you're taking notes, underline that last phrase, just as it had been said to him. See, folks, Abraham's hope was based on a promise. His hope wasn't based on wishful thinking. 
His hope wasn't based just upon some great idea that he had. No, his hope was based on a promise. Because here's the thing. Abraham was facing a hopeless situation. It was humanly impossible for him. But the reason why Abraham could, could shrug off the, shriek, the, the cynics who were telling him that this is, it can't be done was because he chose to believe what God said. And that what God said was greater than what the cynics around him were saying. And even what his body was saying. And those even closest to him were saying. Romans 10 verse 17 said, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Now look what Paul, I just jumped you forward in Romans. We're going from chapter 4 to chapter 10. But look at the connection here. Because Paul says that faith comes from hearing God's word. Faith actually comes. Did you know that faith can increase? You can increase your faith. And so faith comes by hearing God's word. That's why being a part of our catalyst. And, and by the way, I forgot to mention, there's a lot of mess up here in front. I don't know if you saw all of this. There's a bunch of chain links that are um, just thrown on this, on this floor. And the reason is because at the end of the retreat, we just did a, a retreat here for about 250 people. So if it smells in the room, I'm sorry. For, please forgive me. Because it was jam-packed here the last two days, and it was, uh, it was smelly at times um, in here because we were so jam-packed in here. But I'm telling you, God did some amazing things in people's lives. And right up front, so many people, um, we had this illustration of, of chains being broken, the thing very symbolic of what God does in our life. And these, this, is, this is the remnant of it. This is what's left over. And I just, I love that because, you know, in, in, in my view, this is, this is worship. You know, this is through the brokenness of people's lives. You know, God gets a hold of us and he does, he creates new life in us. But that's the reason why to be part of Catalyst is because it increases your, it increases your faith. The reason why to be a part of a, a group that's studying the Bible is because it increases your faith. It's so life-changing with you when you do that because the more you do this, the greater your faith will become. And the reason is because God's word is the food that strengthens your faith. It's his word that will actually strengthen and stir your faith. So let me ask you a question here this afternoon. Because is what you're facing a seemingly hopeless situation? Is what you're facing a seemingly hopeless situation? Well, let me just pastor you just a little bit here today. Dive into God's word then saturate yourself in God's word because the more you do that it strengthens your faith it stimulates your faith every time you do that and so that's what Paul um, was talking about here in Romans chapter 4 and then here's the third thing about Abraham and that is Abraham looked beyond the circumstances he looked beyond the circumstances that he was facing verse 19 without weakening in his face faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was already dead. So he's talking about Sarah, that Abraham, he looked beyond the circumstances. And some of you are in situations right now where you need a miracle. You need a miracle in your life. Well, let me encourage you, stop looking at your problems and start looking at the solution. Stop looking at your circumstances and look at the one who can overcome your circumstances. So goes, that's what Abraham talked about. Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts. See, faith is not pretending 
Faith is not saying there's no problem. Faith is not a fantasy world that you create that's outside of reality. That's not what faith is. No, it says that Abraham faced the facts. He faced the fact that at 99 years old, he still didn't have a son. At 99 years old, he faced the fact that his body was incapable of producing and fathering a child. He faced the fact that at 90 years old, his wife Sarah, that her womb was dead. He faced those facts. But in spite of facing those facts, he didn't allow the facts to weaken his faith. And that's the key here. Because a lot of people think that faith, that faith means that you have to ignore reality. A lot of people think that faith is that you've got to kind of ignore the problems that are around you. But faith is not ignoring the problems. Faith is not, is not ignoring the reality that you're faced with. Faith is not burying your head in the sand and closing your ears. And blah, 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 blah. That's not what faith is. Faith is not pretending and kidding and saying to yourself, oh, it's not an impossible, it's really not an impossible. You know, it is an impossible situation that you're facing. That's why you need a miracle. Did you hear me? It is an impossible, that's why you need a miracle. Faith is facing the facts of what's going on and still not allowing it to weaken your faith. Faith is believing that in spite of all the contrary evidence that's, that's, that's against you, that God will work it out. The Living Bible says it this way in, in verse 19. Abraham believed God even though such a promise couldn't come to pass because his faith was strong. He didn't worry about the fact that he was too old to become a father at the age of 100. So the issue becomes, okay, well, how in the world do I do that? When I'm facing the impossibility, when I'm facing this hopeless situation, then how in the world do I do that? Well, do you remember what Peter did? Do you remember what Peter did when he walked on the water? As long as he had his focus on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible, and that is walk on the water. But as soon as he let his gaze down and changed his focus to what was beneath him, those impossible circumstances, what happened? He started sinking. And you know what, folks, the same is true for you and for me. When you start looking at your problems, you're going to start sinking. When you start being focused on your circumstances and that hopeless, impossible situation, you'll start sinking. That's why you've got to continually, proactively, intentionally keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Because then the things around you will go strangely dim, right? That's how the song goes. Keep your eyes and focus on him. And I think this is really important because I think people get this so messed up when we, try, we talk about faith. Because I think a lot of times people think that faith is kind of this name it, claim it type of thing. You know what I'm talking about where, you know, it, you want something and so I, I, I got to name it. I got to claim it. That's what, I got to claim this. I got to claim this. I, I got to claim this. And so, so, uh, so the big hot car out there right now is the Tesla Model 7. All right, that's what I want, God. So I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it. And that's what, that's got to, I, I want you to get that, get that to me. But I just find that so degrading to God. I find it so belittling of God because that's like putting God in a bottle and rubbing the bottle, it's like your own pet little genie. God, do this now. I just don't think that's who God is. I don't think that's how he works. Faith is so much different than that. Faith faces the facts of what's going on and doesn't allow it to weaken your faith. That's probably the most important thing I can tell you all afternoon. I hope you got it right here. Here's the fourth thing about Abraham. 
And that is Abraham gave glory to God. Abraham gave glory to God. Look at this in verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Think about this. All the time that Abraham was waiting, and he waited a long time. He didn't wait five minutes. He didn't wait a day. He didn't wait a week. He didn't wait a month. He waited decades for this promise to be filled. But all the time he was waiting, he kept his focus on God and what God promised had said, and he thanked God. He praised God. He worshiped God. Why? Because the highest form of faith is thanking God in advance. You missed that one. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Come on, don't look at me. Look at your neighbor. Tell your look at your neighbor, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. <laughs> Listen to what I just said. The highest form of faith is thanking God in advance. Because when you start thanking God in advance, you get it. You're, you're getting, you're seeing a different reality. You're seeing things from a different perspective. You're not stuck in your, your situation. You're not stuck in your circumstances. You're keeping your focus on Jesus. So he goes, the people who glorify God the most are those who believe God for the most. There was another good amen opportunity there. <laughs> Let me say it again. The people who glorify God the most are those who believe God for the most. So, if you don't want God to do anything in your life, please stop worshiping. Please stop putting your attention on Jesus. Don't do that. But if you want to see the impossible, if you want to see the miraculous happen in your life, change your focus and begin thanking God and praising God in advance before you ever see it. Notice the words in verse 20. It says, yet he did not waver. That word waver in the original Greek language means to have two minds or two opinions. And these words were used when a man would argue with himself. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. That's, that's the picture that he's giving here. In other words, you're double-minded. You're double-minded. Yes, I'm in. No, I'm not in. If that's what he's talking about here. And James says this about that. James 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, what a double-minded man, what is he? He's unstable. And the picture that he's giving is this a man walking. Because when you're walking, you're walking in a straight line. But when you're staggering, you're all over the place, right? You're, that's, and that's the picture that he's giving here. Well, Abraham didn't stagger. Abraham didn't waver. He wasn't double-minded because why? He continued to glorify God through the seemingly impossible situations that he was facing. And that kept his focus. That kept his attention. Instead of what you're facing, instead of that difficult situation that you're in, he changed his focus purposely, intentionally. Verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Abraham thanked God in advance, verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so let me ask you a question. 
Where do you need a miracle in your life? Where do you need a miracle in your life? Do you need a miracle in your body? Is that where you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle in your family? Do you need a miracle in your relationships? Do you need a miracle in your marriage? Do your kids need a miracle? Do you need a miracle in your career? Do you need a miracle in those job opportunities? Do you need a miracle in your finance? Where do you need a miracle? Because here's the thing. You can either approach it in faith or you can approach it in unbelief. And unbelief says, look at the problem. Keep your focus on the problem. Unbelief says, look at the difficulties. Keep your focus on the... Unbelief says, look at the diagnosis. This is what's been said. The unbelief says, look at those, lo those locked doors. Unbelief says, look at yourself. Look at your weaknesses. Look at your age. You're too old. You're too young. That's what unbelief says. But faith says, I'm aware of the facts. I'm aware of the facts, but I'm still believing. Why? Because I know in whom I have believed, and he is able to do greater, super abundantly beyond what I could ever ask, hope, or imagine. He is that alpha and the omega, the beginning, the end. And what he started in me, his promise is that he will fulfill it. And he'll work all things together for my good. And so if I don't see good yet, he's just not finished yet. And so that's why I can trust him. That's why I can put my faith in him. That's why I can hold on to the promises in spite of the hopeless situation. In spite of the diagnosis. In spite of what everybody else sees, I can see something different. And as a result, it causes me to praise. It causes me to thank God even way in advance. And that's how I spend my time. That's how I spend my focus. If you would, I want you to stand to your feet. If you would, please, because we're going to go back into worship here, and I just want to kind of stir you up here this afternoon to kind of stir that faith inside of you, because I believe that God wants to do some miraculous things in you right here and right now. As I was praying for you yesterday, I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my heart that there would be people in here today that really need a miracle to happen in their life. And I've heard the Holy Spirit say, I will open that door in their life. And he's connecting faith to the miraculous for you. And he's shifting things inside of your life, inside of your heart, inside of your body, inside of your relationship. And there's something that God wants to do here to change your circumstances, just change you in the middle of your circumstances to release the miraculous in your life. And so I want you to, I want you to pray this after me here, if you would. Just say this out loud. Say, God, help me. Say it out loud. God, help me to look beyond my circumstances. Help me to look beyond my problems. Help me to look beyond my seemingly impossible situations. Today, I make a decision to put my trust in you. I make a decision to put my faith in you, to put my hope in you, because you are the author and the finisher of my faith. And nothing is too difficult for you. So in the storm, I choose to praise you. In the wind and the waves, I choose to praise you.
in the seemingly impossible situations, I choose to praise you because I'm fully persuaded that you have the power to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I can imagine because you are true to your word. Your promises are true. And so today, I say thank you. I say thank you in advance. I say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship here together. We have communion set up here in the front. I encourage you to take part of that here. And we're just going to worship. Let God just begin to stir in your heart for those miraculous things. Come on, let's worship God here. I want to read this little verse in Job chapter 14 because I think this is a picture of what God is wanting to do in so many of our lives. Listen to this. It says, its roots... Oh, no. It starts here. Um, Yeah. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. I, I believe God is wants to speak that over your life where there may be death, where you, something has died. But listen to what he, what he says. But at the scent of water, it will bud. That's the presence of God coming wherever that place of death is in your life, wherever something that just has withered and died, at the scent of water, at the coming of the Holy Spirit in your life, it begins to spring forth. And God wants to plant that in your heart here. These people are just going to continue to be prayed for. And I think there's stuff that's going on in your own heart. But I want to be able to dismiss you. And so let me just speak a blessing over you here. And so, Father, I thank you for what you started here. I thank you for things that are shifting in people's bodies. I thank you for things that are shifting in people's relationships. God, I thank you for things that are shifting in people's appetites and their longings and their desires. God, I thank you that there's things that the miraculous is beginning to unfold and those things that have died are becoming made new. Life is happening and you're speaking something into existence that wasn't even there, that your word is activating vision and purpose in life. And so God, I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. And so Father, I speak your blessing over these amazing people here in this room. That God, not only would they receive your miraculous working power in their life, but Father, as they go into this week, God, that they would be those who bring it, your miracle working power into their workplaces, into their homes and their relationships, in the, into the stores they go to and the, the grocery places they go. God, that they would be that light, that they would be that scent of water that would cause life to grow up in the people that are around them. And so Father, I speak your blessing over them. And I declare, God, that you are amazing, that you are working wonders in our life. And we're so grateful, we're so thankful. We thank you in advance of what you're already doing and things that are set in motion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, everyone. You're dismissed or you can continue to be prayed for, whatever you like. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.